Hi, welcome to The X Factor. This is the podcast for human performance and leadership. Uh, I'm here today with uh, Mike DeWitt, the managing partner of Gates Group uh, Advisors in Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome, Mike. Steve, nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for you being here. So tell me who, uh, tell me who you are and uh, what you do. Well, you got my name. Again, it's Mike DeWitt, and I reside near Cleveland, Ohio, which is my hometown. I've spent the last 25 years in the private equity um, business, predominantly making control investments in lower and middle market manufacturing and service businesses. I now have an advisory practice, Gates Group Advisors, which builds on my private equity experience to help closely held companies grow through a combination of strategic planning and scaling and sustaining the business model. Um, which was kind of the tenant for making investments as, uh, as a private equity investor. Uh, and as a complement to my consulting business, I chair a peer advisory group through Vistage Worldwide, which is made up of 16 CEOs and or business owners from non-competitive industries. Okay. So you're, you're, you're basically taking, uh, you're, you're graduating from your, your private equity experience and basically just basically going one step further with that while, while also doing the, uh, the, the Vistage project. Well, if you look at the private equity business, it's really, um, it, it really can be broken down into three activities, fundraising, transacting, and working with your portfolio companies to make them more successful. The first two I didn't really enjoy very much. The second one or the third one I enjoy a great deal and that, that is really essentially what I'm doing as a, as an advisor now. Okay. And so uh, obviously you have a lot of experience with, uh, you know, as being a leader yourself, but also working with leaders. Uh, generally speaking, uh, what do you think is the best aspect of being a leader? Well, uh, this was a great question. And as, as we were chatting before, um, your questions were very straightforward, but also thought provoking. And, you know, if I'm going to be very honest, I would say that getting to make big decisions, whether it's creating the culture, setting strategy, building the team, executing a big deal, you know, I miss doing that in my new role where I don't really get to, I certainly don't get to make decisions. And in some cases, I'm not even, you know, supposed to provide an opinion uh, in my role as a chair with Vistage. So, you know, kind of making big decisions, I enjoyed very much as a CEO. Just having that responsibility and, and, and carrying that out within the moment. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, something where you, um, you know, you, you have, you have a goal, you have kind of the big picture in mind and um, you know, you, you just kind of keep your eye on the ball and just kind of forge ahead. And, you know, as a, as a PE investor, it, it really is, you know, progress is, is measured in, in big increments as opposed to being an operator, which is, you know, in the trenches every day, uh, fighting the battles and, and progress is measured in much smaller increments. And, and I, I, I learned early on that I'm, I'm a little bit better at, you know, a higher altitude than in the trenches. It's just mm -hmm. seemed to work better with my personality and my interests over time and, and kind of what I was good at doing. Okay. So if you see uh, decision-making as the primary leadership responsibility, uh, to, you know, either from your own experience or experience with, uh, you know, some really great leaders, how did they go about making, you know, those crucial decisions? 
Well, you know, Steve, I see this uh, this question in a very holistic way. So there are really three areas that I think, um, you know, uh, good leaders excel. Um, first is creating the vision, charting the course, setting the priorities, and establishing a culture of accountability. The second would be bringing together and allocating the necessary resources to execute the strategy. And third, inspiring and rewarding the team to achieve the goal. Okay. So in your experience, either yourself or, uh, you know, somebody, somebody that you mentored, uh, you know, what were the effects of, of following that model? Success. Yeah. Frankly, and, and, I mean, and, and success in, in my past life is measured by return on invested capital, mm-hmm. creating shareholder value and returning, making good returns from our investors. And I, I just feel that, um, you know, uh, it, it's great to have grandiose uh, aspirations, but it really comes down to execution. Uh, it comes down to, you know, being consistent every single day. And I just think that, um, you know, once you've set the course and path, then it really is about just, you know, day-to-day execution. And accountability is obviously important. And as a private equity investor, you know, creating accountability within the management team um, is extremely important to success, I believe. So, and obviously aligning interests, mm-hmm. you know, that when we do well, the team does well and vice versa. I mean, you know, sharing in the rewards is extremely important as well. So I'm brought in many times to work with the, you know, the leaders who don't do those things. Yeah. Now, so how, you know, t- tell me about, you know, you know, or, or, or what, tell me about some of the people or why you think some of the people who don't follow that model, what, why don't they follow that model? And, uh, and, and what does it take for them to follow that model? Because it's a simple model. We all know it. Right. Right. Why is it that they don't follow that model? Um, gee, that's a, that's a big question. I would say that, Failure uh, to, to follow that model is, is, you know, probably based on, you know, discomfort around having difficult conversations, particularly in terms of keeping people accountable, mostly yourself. And I, I find that if you don't hold yourself accountable, you're not going to be very good at holding your team members accountable. It's setting the right expectations. It's giving people the tools to do their job and getting out of the way. So kind of being a CEO, um, some CEOs can't stop being, you know, the director of operations or, you know, um, the controller or what have you. They, they, they cannot step back. And, I'm, and I am talking principally around smaller, mid-sized, com- you know, smaller businesses, the, the kinds of companies that, that, we, uh, that we invested in and, and now that I'm seeking to, to advise. Um, I just find that, you know, they, they have a hard time transitioning from maybe an entrepreneurial role, the founder of the business to a professional manager mm-hmm. and those aspects and building the team and letting go. And I mean, you know, all of this, um, I think is, are hard for some people. And, you know, as a result, we would often have to make some changes, um, to the management team to, you know, kind of create a more professional um, approach 
Um, you know, uh, it was never our desire to go that direction because we invest in good businesses. They're good for a reason. You know, they're good people involved, a good strategy, but sometimes, you know, the Peter principle kicks in and you need to create more capacity. So I, I just think that some people just kind of tap out on kind of their comfort level and their, and their skill sets. You know, it's, uh, it's ironic because you're trying to get people out of their comfort zone and then finally you know, they get real, you know, you have to move them so far out of their comfort zone that you have to move them out of their job. Right. Uh, and yeah, and it's uh, sometimes you, you know that immediately going in through your interactions and the diligence process and so and so forth. Uh, and then, but sometimes you have to kind of figure that out after the fact, even though you might have a hunch or two. Um, certainly it's, you know, change is, is often good. Uh, you know, we talk about, particularly in Vistage, I want my members to become their best change agents in their businesses. Mm -hmm. um, most of them aren't. Most of them are stuck in one thing or another, and uh, which is, you know, hopefully the value proposition of Vistage and creating a board of peers that can, you know, help work through big decisions. They'll they'll learn to kind of get out of their way and have have that aha moment where, you know, hey, look, maybe I need to be doing this instead of that kind of thing. So. Um, you know, there, you know, you know, it, continuity is a good thing, but sometimes you got to shake things up a little bit to, to get back on the right track. Yeah, well, you know, you still have, you know, business initiatives to accomplish. So exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, in, in regards to, um, you know, as far as, you know, the different aspects of human performance and leadership effectiveness, uh, you're, you're really an expert in strategic execution where it's one thing to have a strategy, but it's actually a, a more important thing to execute the strategy. So what I'd like to know is, you know, what advice would you give to other leaders regarding, you know, uh, strategic execution? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly human performance, you know, I don't care if you're a manufacturing company or a service business, it's all about people. Um, your, your best assets walk in and out of the door every day. I know that's a cliche, but I agree with, I, I feel strongly about that. And, you know, talent optimization is kind of, you know, part of that. Um, but around strategic execution, I think the key is to set milestones, uh, measure everything, um, have the right KPIs that really tell you how the business is performing, not so much in the rearview mirror. So looking at the quarterly numbers, that's interesting. But that doesn't, you know, usually that happens 60 to 90 days. Uh, well, better not be that, but maybe 30 to 45 days after the end of the month or the period. That's not terribly helpful and, and kind of figuring out what's in front of you. So I think it's very important to have KPIs that, that give you, you know, some forward um, uh, clarity around how the business is performing. Be disciplined. Don't get distracted. You know, a, a lot of, you know, um, Business executives uh, and owners that I've, that I've dealt with, you know, get excited about the next deal, and whether it's, um, you know, a, a new customer opportunity or, or an, an acquisition or what have you, and they don't stay, stick to their knitting, they get distracted, and the organization, I think, suffers as a result. Um, obviously, you got to be pretty nimble. You got to be able to adapt to changing conditions. I mean, you know, the current world environment is is a great example. No one saw it coming, or we probably should have, but you know, we didn't. 
and companies are having to really make dramatic changes and shifts in their business models to be able to um, survive and thrive in this new environment. And, um, you know, we're not all sure what it's going to look like on the outs uh, on the end, but I'm trying to get my members in my Vistage, uh, my Vistage Peer Advisory Board to be thinking about opportunities post the COVID crisis. And now that we've kind of gotten through triple P and PPE and all of that stuff. Um, so again, the last thing would be, um, you know, you have to adapt. Well, then you have to be able to adjust a course and, and, and based on changing conditions. So again, I think being nimble within some discipline around the four corners of what you're trying to accomplish over the long run, right? So you, you know, you're going from A to Z, but you know, it, it may not be a straight line. It may be more circuitous and uh, path, and you just have to be able to be a, uh, to adapt to changing conditions. And sometimes executives, um, um, you know, maybe are too uh, eager to pull the trigger and change direction. And sometimes they put their head in the sand. So it, it's it's not easy. It sounds easy, but it is not easy to yeah. to be able to you know adapt to a dynamic environment. Okay, and um, so. Uh, who are the uh, leadership role models uh, or your, your, your leadership role models? And uh, what did you learn from them? I, I love this question, Steve, and I really appreciate it. So um, I have three and they're, you know, I, I decided to come at it from, you know, different realms. So the first is politics and, you know, it's hard to, <laughs> not, not many of us admire our politicians these days. It's, it's a bit of a mess. However, uh, Nelson Mandela is somebody who um, I absolutely admire, had the opportunity to go to South Africa with my daughter a couple of years ago and spent some time in Cape Town and got to learn a little bit more about the man. And I think what was, uh, for me, it was the power of empathy and sacrifice. Um, I mean, leading a transformational and democratic and peaceful transition of power under circumstances no one could have ever foreseen. Mm -hmm. And I think the key to this was having empathy for the opposition. You know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he wasn't uh, vengeful. He wasn't spiteful. And he, and he brought some humanity to the whole thing. And it was extraordinary accomplishment and uh, by an extraordinary and good man. So Nelson Mandela is, is once the other, I, I've turned to sports and someone I always admired and had a chance to meet a um, long time ago is Arnold Palmer, mm -hmm. a championship golfer and entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I think what Arnie did, uh, which was so powerful, is he had the ability to make others around him feel at ease and important. Uh, he was iconic for sure. Uh, he democratized professional golf for the masses, which, you know, I think was, you know, um, I, I happen to be someone who loves the game, and I think that that was an incredibly important uh, evolution back in the 60s. And, um, you know, from that, he created a transcendent brand and grew and sustained it for decades beyond his best playing days. And frankly, I think it's continuing to thrive, um, you know, several years after his death. So Arnold Palmer would be on my list. And last but not least, in the business world is a fellow by the name of Del DeWint, uh, former CEO of Eaton Corporation, uh, and my dad. I try not to get, I try not to get uh, emotional, so forgive me. 
No, I understand. Why I put him last so I wouldn't fall off bases. I, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what Dad did, he, he was the power of leading by setting clear goals coupled with great execution. Uh, he was someone who got things done, uh, inspired people along the way, both at Eaton and at numerous civic leadership roles. So um, he certainly was, uh, was a hero, and not just as my dad, but, but as, a, as a great business leader. I, like yourself, I, I also hit the parental lottery. So I certainly understand uh, you know, your, your thoughts and uh, feelings about your dad. That's, uh, that's terrific. All yeah, right. Well, so uh, tell me this. How do you uh, relax or celebrate if you don't relax? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to get to relax. I have, um, uh, for my tender age, I'm a lot older than I look, Steve. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old who uh, bring me immense joy. I also have a 25-year-old and a 21-year-old. So family is uh, absolutely at the center of, of my leisure time, um, mostly by choice. Sometimes uh, by, it's required, obviously. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, I love the game of golf mm-hmm. and try to play, uh, you know, as much as I can, given, given the limitations of family and, and work responsibilities. But I grew up in a, a family of golfers and I have two older brothers and you know, enjoyed a lot of great experiences uh, with with my dad and my brothers on the golf course. And so uh, I also was um, very involved and still am in the First Tee program, which you may or may not be familiar with, but it's a national organization mm-hmm. that is provides youth development opportunities through the game of golf. And uh, so I believe very strongly that you know the life skills and values that you find in golf translate remarkably well to life overall. So, you know, golf is, um, you know, it's a great game. It's frustrating. It's challenging, but it's also character building. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it is a great outlet. I, I can attest to that. So, um, h- how can people contact you, Mike? Uh, Steve, I can be contacted, um, on the web. Uh, the name of the company is Gates Group Advisors, www.gatesgroupadvisors.com. Um, and my email is mdewint at gatesgroupadvisors.com. And, uh, uh, you know, pretty easy to reach and uh, would love to hear from some, some members of your audience who are interested in learning more about the, uh, the Gates Group Advisory Model. That's fantastic. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for, uh, uh, for, com- for coming on the podcast. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, but you've been a terrific guest. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Enjoyed being with you. All right. This has been the uh, X Factor podcast with, uh, with me. I'm Dr. Stephen Long. This is the podcast for leaders by leaders. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.